0: Sing us
1: the song of
2: your
3: people. Howdy, welcome to this episode 20 of the Where Are We podcast. Uh, I am Orange Wolf or Zeph, or Igmutanka or I don't even know what my name is at this point. Here's the rest of the crew. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys.
4: Hello, hello there. I am Blaze. Good to be back again, as always.
3: You went out of alphabetical order.
0: Oh shoot! I guess I guess I go first.
3: Yes, please. You broke it's your own right rule there
0: in the channel. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm a half breed. I can do that. Should we pick? Should we pick back
3: up? Yes, yas, yas.
5: Hi, I'm Bear X Grumpy Grizzly. Just here for the ride.
6: Hey, I'm Lockpaws, the ever questioning. Uh, glad to
2: be here. Blue Awoo who do
3: did that very well, TA. That's your turn now, Cat. Dude, attention.
7: What? Yo, strikes Heaps. Cat. Oh man, we've He's already. He's literally a Wow. Oh, hi. My name is uh, TA Tiger Acolyte. Nice to meet you. Nice to have you awake. Hello. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you just
6: do a hurt. Been through a nasty disaster. Come on. Oh, were you Can talking?
3: We're we're a whole two minutes into the recording and. Already got so much blackmail material. How does this happen? <laughs> so, so today we are doing a segment on role play in the Therian community. We are going to have a new special guest. Blaze, uh, go ahead and take it on from there.
4: Joining us for this episode, we have Wolfwing. Go on ahead and say hi. Hello, everybody. How long you been around the community here, Wolf? Definitely
1: for about two years, but I've known about the community for about eighteen to twenty years, but it didn't fit early on, and I've sort of come back to it now. But I'm a little more mature-ish, and I feel like it kind of fits me more.
4: Cool, cool. What are your stereotypes? I've got leopard and wedge eagle. That's an interesting combo. Cool.
3: Wait, wait, hold on. So the, you're not a wolf?
1: That's. Actually, I'll get into that in, when we get into role-playing. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. Fair <laughs> like, enough. There's a good segue the, right, that's a good go. right it's there. It's going to
7: be the, oh, the starter pack.
4: <laughs> <Okay>.
7: <laughs> Gateway stereotype.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a story to that. <laughs> <laughs> For this episode's topic, I was the one that put it on the table, and it got lots of interest because... I've noticed in my observations of the community over the past couple of years that role play is not only handled very differently by different people and by different communities, but there's also a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings that go on that surround it. So after watching for a while, I kind of decided that this is probably a great topic for the podcast to look into. Over the past months the podcast crew has taken a series of questionnaires, turned them into polls and posted them on several different therian communities on discord they've been posted in the therian guide forums and a couple other places as well and we combined that with our own observations to come up with the episode topic that you're listening to this evening
3: all out the role play
4: Roll out the role play.
0: Roll T twenty.
4: First thing we're going to look into is basically just a general discussion about each one of us. What are our personal experiences with role play as Let's just start with that. So as I was alluding to before,
1: I'd been on the internet for for about four or five years, but at that point, I about two thousand, I first bumped into furry stuff and got curious. I kept hearing about a place called Furry Muck. Where people role-play. never ended up getting on there. But I ended up creating the um, persona Wolfwing because I very much at that point was very much an eagle. And Transformers Beast Wars was on, and I saw the the Transformer Silverbolt. It gave me an idea for a winged wolf character. That's where I sort of got the name. And ended up from there, got into Lion King. Muck. It's all based around. Role playing as animals, gone into leopard and lions and stuff. And it helped a bit, but
4: not completely. I'm playing a character, it's not me. So there was a little bit of a deeper underlying conflict there for you, eh?
1: Yeah, and a desire for more. And over the years, I've had friends and we've done role plays where one of the ones I've done a few times is a fictional story about me, you know, like. What if I did turn into an eagle back when I first awoke as an eagle? Mm -hmm. What if I was a shapeshifter? And just role-playing that, role-playing myself and just trying to have an outlet. If I can't shapeshift in real life, do it as role-play. Do it as a way to have me vicariously experience it as as a role-play story.
3: So when you first started role-playing, you role-played somewhat as a wolf. Did you have different feelings when you would role play as a wolf versus a feathered friend?
1: Definitely a bit at times. Feeling some and awesomeness? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but when like, at times when I roleplay, I don't know if other people have it. Like when I played one of my line characters, I really felt like I was the character. Like I could feel,
4: I could understand what he was thinking and whatnot. Like more than just getting into character, it's like becoming the character.
1: Yeah. Cool. You know, Leopard was something that awoke after a lot of that role-playing started to slow down a bit. Leopard wasn't till 2002, 2003 when it woke up. So I, I, I can't really say how much I've experienced with that, but definitely that. You know, I, I've often thought I should change my name to Leopard Wayne, but Everybody knows me as Wolfing and it's like, you know, trying to legally change your name. It's such a headache. I don't know if I would want to (laughs)
3: change my online
1: name just because, you know, who's this leopard one for for two months or whatever, you know?
3: I kind of relate to that because I've been calling myself Zephyr Nazumi since like 1999, 2000. Then Nazumi really throws people off. They think that they're like, hey, are you a mouse stereotype? No, I'm not. And I never have been, but it's my name and I don't want to change it because that would just be weird.
1: Names are weird, especially online, you know. I actually did change my name originally. I was Thorn Redblood, and then changed it to Wolfwing, like I said, once I found out about furry stuff. And I don't know if I
4: completely can call myself a furry, but it's close enough that it kind of fits. Before you discovered the furry community, and before you got into role playing and all that, did you have any weird experiences that you now look back on and go, huh, maybe that was the Therian thing? Oh, definitely. And
1: eagle woke up around when I was fourteen to sixteen, which would be late eighties, early nineties. Like looking back, I made nests out of my bed. It it was sort of a weird thing that I did because in my head, I could turn into an animal if I if I did that. Like it was sort of this weird, you know, the
4: you know how the kids' brain works. Yeah, oh, I totally get it. I was making dens out of the cushions of the couch and every any blankets that I could get my paws on. And I would turn the big long L shaped couch in the living room into this complex den with a big, long, narrow entrance and a wide chamber. And I would always want to sleep in there. My mom got very frustrated. (laughs) I (laughs) can relate. Like I said, it was many years after that before Eagle woke up,
1: but once last five, six years, And I think with Blaze, I've you know I've done that in conversations where I start remembering things about the past that I've forgotten about or pushed to the sides. It's been interesting going back and looking at things that I did as a kid before Eagle woke up and just realizing was that just being a kid or was that being because I'm a or or something else? You know?
4: Yeah, I, I hear you.
5: I actually think there's more than one sort of role playing because. I know in my online discussions, I will occasionally pepper my use of language in such a way that I present myself not with the human body I am cursed with, but the ursine body I consider I have. So I will emote myself in online environments in that way, or use a a bearish avatar in virtual reality. I don't know if that's really considered role-playing so much as pushing myself into that space.
4: That actually ties perfectly in with the point that I was going to bring up a little bit later on. Part of the misunderstanding that I have observed in the communities revolving around role-play is that, as you just said, there's more than one kind of role-play and there's more than one reason for it. Right. One of the reasons why... We do this, what appears to be role play, is for the exact reasons that you just described, and that we're trying to
5: express ourselves. Yeah, the role of my true self. I think of the balding, overweight, dorky human as the role I play from day to day, and the way I express myself online or here as who I actually am. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, I guess my daily self is the role that I'm playing.
0: We put on a mask to show our true face.
5: Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
6: I always consider it positive assertion rather than unrelated pretend. So from the quote-unquote outsider's perspective, I definitely got that aspect of it.
5: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to open the the box of later conversation. That's
4: okay. That's why we call this a semi-casual podcast. But anyways, um, so exactly where did your history with role-playing begin, Bear?
5: I am a longtime dork. And so... I had older cousins who played uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons back in like 1979, 1980. And uh, of course, I'm this six, seven-year-old cub running around that couldn't play it with my late teen cousins because they were playing a much more adult version of the game. But I would sit and look through the books and I always thought, ah, these books are great, whatever. But I didn't really associate the books with anything other than the game. And around that same time, late 70s, early 80s, was when I started experiencing non human feelings. The only thing I had as a touchstone was the werewolf, because in our Western culture, that is the fusion of man and animal. That is the point on the horizon that we end up looking at when we think about shapeshifters for the most part at that time. Mm -hmm. I think people have a broader vision now than they did, but. At that point, like if if you were exposed to shape changers, they were werewolves.
4: And that's the origin of the term were, still floats around in the community.
5: Oh, sure. It's it's the reason why mental shifts are shifting in the first place because of AHWW. I felt like I was big and two-legged and stuff. And so I thought the only thing that could be is a werewolf because I'm thinking like the howling, right? I mean, that's how my little kid brain was, was looking at it. And as I got a little older... I had a peer group and they got interested in Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And I I was reintroduced to the books. And as I was flipping through the section on lycanthropes, I saw that they had where tiger where bear where rat And I was like, oh, man, there are more types. It, It sort of opened my mind to the idea that I should explore other things than werewolf. I should try to match this feeling to other things. And it allowed me the freedom to realize bear. And I explored those feelings through characters that I played in playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it's, I want to play a werewolf character. And then later it was like, I want to play a werebear character. Right. And um, dungeon masters at the time weren't typically as open to letting you play those kind of characters. They're like, oh, game balance." But it's like I'm not going to abuse the game balance. It's not about min maxing or, or power playing, but about giving myself a chance to explore these feelings that I have in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And so that, that that's where my background with it. And, and of course, later on, I did play around on furry muck, and I played around in some of the talkers and and things like that in the late '90s. And I did the same thing. You know, it really it has always been a, a way to explore how I felt inside.
7: Oh, cool. Uh, Bear, I've got a lot I share with that. In fact, one of the reasons I still engage in RPGs today is for that similar reason, is it allows me to explore myself in a safe space. Or if anyone questions it, I can say, oh, I'm just playing around. Don't worry about it. It's uh, it's a good medium for self-exploration. Yeah, honestly, I I would still be
5: actively doing tabletop roleplay, but the people who I played with have uh, either moved away or got married and lost interest or whatever. And these days I don't have enough time, but I would love to get back into it.
0: There's always the online aspect of it. You know, if you want to pay a little bit, you can get into a random group and things like that. But I think we have a big enough community that we could potentially draw on that to set up a reasonable one. Yeah, that's fair,
5: but there's nothing like throwing a handful of dice with buddies around Uh, the table, I
0: fully agree with that, absolutely. Yeah,
4: there's a certain tangibility to that that doesn't exist online.
5: Yeah, now VR is definitely getting close, and I think the fact that you can don an avatar that is custom-made to match how you feel in your own mind is, uh, I think, as that technology improves, I think it is going to be extremely helpful, especially for people who deal with species dysphoria, to be able to explore those feelings again in an environment where it's acceptable to do so. Because no one looks twice at a person with an animal avatar.
0: Well, some of them look twice, but you know,
5: well, all right. They, oh, well, God, it's a furry, a furry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is fine.
5: Yeah, that's fine. I, you know, please accuse me of being a furry. That's fine. I don't mind.
4: Again, the VR thing is kind of bridging that faded out line between role play and self expression.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a transhumanist thing, right? The The whole idea of embracing technology to expand what we consider the human experience. And I have always maintained. That being otherkin or being Therian is a normal, natural part of some subset of humans. It is part of the human experience and has always been.
4: I might as well jump in with my, well, somewhat limited history of experience with role play. I've talked a little bit about how my earlier childhood and early teens were pretty much dominated by logic. I was a geek, too, in my own way. Uh, an introverted geek. I Fixated on specific topics, and that's all I wanted to think about, read about, anything. As I got older and I crept towards the days of my theory and awakening, by then, of course, I'd been exposed to lots of kids around me that wanted to role play, they wanted to play video games and the sunset. And what I found interesting about me is even to this point up to today, I can't really get into role-playing another character unless I can be the character. So if the character doesn't match who I am, it's not going to fly. And for that reason, I really never got into role-play games, the tabletop versions. I never have played video games. It's just not my thing. The only reason that I will quote-unquote role-play is for the non-traditional reasons that we've been talking a little bit about already in terms of expressing who i really am on the inside by some external means in this case i do a lot of that kind of self-expression in chats where i will emote things like a tail wag and all sorts of different canine expressions and that helps me feel comfortable it makes me feel like i can be myself and be accepted for who i really am but from an outsider's perspective looking in Potentially, they can't tell the difference between that and conventional role play. The only other point worth mentioning from my history is that the Werewolf, the Apocalypse Mm. reference manuals were like my go-to Bible for helping to sort out a bunch of different experiences that I was having on an internal level it just suddenly crystallized all these formerly detached Therian ideas and experiences that I was having, but I didn't have any words for or any framework for them. But when I read those books, I was like, yes, that's who I am.
5: It is uncanny how much they get it for being completely unaware of the Therian community.
0: (laughs) You really think they're unaware?
5: At the time, they would have
0: been. 92 Mm. was when
5: Werewolf the Apocalypse
0: came out. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that that means that there weren't people who were in the inside who were feeling and dealing oh, with this oh, stuff. yeah, you
5: can, I mean, you that's, can definitely, that's true. You can yeah.
4: definitely smell the Therian signature in the way the information was organized and presented, but equally, if not greater importance, you can see the research into real shape-shifting spiritual practices that they did in order to build the entire world. I never have actually sat down and played a game of that but it nevertheless remained a touchstone of understanding for me in terms of giving my experiences some context so that I can communicate about them.
0: It gives you a vocabulary, which can then be a common vocabulary. It's not something you created under your own self, which is important.
5: Exactly. Although, I have to admit, cringing deeply whenever someone would have shown up on AHWW and described themselves as Guru.
0: Yeah, well yeah
4: <laughs> yeah there's a there's a line there between where you start to get into like okay you're 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 plagiarizing stop it <laughs> well i don't i exactly. think
0: it's I think that the plagiarization is an important point to make, but at the same time for people who are especially younger or learning it learning about themselves, and exploring that type of touchstone is really important to be able to give a yeah. framing yeah. Yeah. and a grounding to it so yeah. Yes, I, I agree with the plagiarization as if it continues on for like five, six, seven years, yeah, you got a problem there. You're you're just kind of tapping into it. But if it's something that here's my here's my paw in the ground and I'm evolving from there and I'm showing evolution, that's a totally different story in my opinion.
3: It's very helpful to know that other people identify or relate to the experience at least enough for there to be a word for it also, even if it doesn't like 100% encapsulate what you personally are it still gives you that direction. It's unfortunate but sometimes people try too hard to make their identity into the thing that they have found instead of using it as like a trail of breadcrumbs toward the truth about themselves, but eh, it's an individual thing.
5: You know, you saw that in grilling. When grilling was a really popular practice, you would see where people had kind of memorized the right answers and then would just regurgitate the right answers in order to get past the gatekeepers for whichever particular subset of the community they had found themselves.
4: copy paste, or yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I admit, you know, in my early teens, and because I went to college a little bit early, I was still doing touchstones into fiction and, and things like that that were more in the, partially in the pop culture. I'm not going to go into that right now because I've evolved.
4: Actually, you might as well, since you're talking about
0: your own role-play experience. I'm not going to go into the details of that history because it, it goes into some areas that I've put behind me for a reason. And some of them are very painful. But at the same time, it was a good foundation at that time and try to map and understand oneself. That was a piece of the, the role play, absolutely, for me. And I've got a sticky note of notes here because what we've talked about, like Furry Muck for Topia in the mid to late 90s, I remember those. I remember the first time getting on there, I was saying it in the. The general chat was my first experience with wolves, and found them to be the most pompous assholes I've ever met. And said, "What the every f- day do these guys think they are?" Obviously, it just it just fits now. It just works, and uh, that's just kind of an entertaining aspect of it for me to look back <laughs> at. Uh, Blaze, you were talking about like uh, role play with things you understand, things you resonate yeah. with. Yeah. A very good friend of mine before fursuiting was a thing when it was just mascotting, truly mascotting through the 70s and 80s and and early 90s, they did a lot of mascotting. They made a lot of money doing mascotting, too, working for a radio station. And they had a connection always to the mascot. And then that radio station reevaluated and said, you know what? Yeah, this just isn't what we want to do. It's just not the market that we want to be in anymore. We're going to change up what we're doing here. And they revisited, and they kind of went this country-western uh, aspect of it, which music-wise, he didn't mind. But they brought in an eagle uh, as the mascot and said, you know, you've been doing this mascoting for us for so long. Do the eagle. And he's like, mm, no. And he's like, but it's just a mascot. And he's like, mm, no, it's yeah. not just a mascot to me. It's I have a connection to these other critters that you guys have done. And he actually backed out of it despite a very lucrative deal. And I think that speaks to you know that, and I, I would agree with that. That's, for me, similar. If I'm going to play a character, I've got to have a connection to that character. So, obviously, where wolf, where critter in general is very easy, just step right into and just be able to play, because it's got that hominid aspect of it, and it's got that critter aspect of it, and then, obviously, some are on I others. But I can't do, like, a paladin or something like that if you want to go to the D&D route. I just—it doesn't yeah. resonate with me.
6: I can't. Yeah, it definitely sounds familiar. I think I've mentioned this in a previous context, but if I ever got into the furry community, I cannot imagine my fursona being a fox because the context and the you know purposes feel so totally different to me that feel not necessarily wrong to me, but at least at the very least, really, really weird. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard a lot of that in what you were saying just now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and it, it's the same thing for me. I need something to latch on to. I need something to ground myself to that if I'm going to do the RP aspect of it, too. And I've enjoyed RP. I've done plenty of Dungeons & Dragons. I've done plenty of other RPs. I've done, you know, obviously Furrymuck and uh, related uh, back in the day. There's an aspect of it that I enjoy, but it always has to have something that I can come back to that that resonates with me on on a deep level to make me say yes. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, it's putting the mask on to show our true face. I really do stand by that, and I've explained that to a few people who didn't understand therianthropy, and I was like, this is really what it is in a lot of ways, and it was like, oh, that's a little weird, but I can see that. And now, once they saw me in that light, it was like, oh, I see all these little threads that are blatantly obvious once you're yeah. aware of them. But before that, it was like, Either a quirk or something they dismissed and framed in a totally different way, which was based on their context of what they understood at the time, whereas I was able to open their mind and perspective to a different perspective. I've personally been uh, playing around with VR, too. It's really interesting. I love the aspect of it. Um, I'm actually getting uh, full-body trackers, uh, hopefully in November, the slime trackers. I'm going to try them out and see where that can, can lead, if that helps with some of the, the aspects of dysphoria that I deal with. I don't deal with it as strongly as other people here and definitely not as strongly as other people in the community because I'm pretty integrated. But I'm, I enjoy that aspect of it to be able to look, you know, to visualize yourself is this is what I am. It feels right. When you look at it in the mirror, it it just feels right. I'm
4: looking forward to exploring VR when it finally starts getting advanced enough to the point where it's convincing. And even aside from that, I'm also looking forward to finally having a full body suit that truly expresses who I am on the inside. And it's again, for the same reasons, it's not um, a role play even to me, it's self-expression.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that. And for me, like the full body suit, well, I would love one. I can I tell you the details of that visualization of myself in a way that would come across adequately. I can't. I can tell you generals. I can't tell you the details that would make me be like, yes, this is it, and therefore justify spending that level of money on it. But that's that's me personally. I, I have a struggle mm. with that it's it's frustrating. Since we touched on the world of darkness stuff too, seeing those threads through all that I agree with that. One of the other people and I think I mentioned it before that I swear has to have had a tharian friend is Terry Pratchett. If you read some of his books, especially in the Watch series with Angua, there are the 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 struggles in the the idiosyncrasies and everything that that character embodies and and deals with through through her evolution and then the family that she has cuz he has such a rich world um it is so it, it is definitely a layer on top of it of the sarcasm of the humor and all that stuff but if you look underneath that that veneer there is something That is that fundamental struggle that we all deal with that I think he has captured so beautifully is the true character underneath the surface there. And that, like for a wolf, it's easy for us to project that leadership, that uh, certainty and everything like that was we're a neurotic mess underneath the surface if you actually get to know us. And, you know, we have all sorts of problems that we won't ever let on. But I think that he captured that beautifully in that situation. So if anyone has not read it, anything in the Watch series, um, really starting with man at, Men at Arms, that's where she comes in. And that, I think that it captures such a beautiful aspect of that. To me, it's really enjoyable. But anyways, I'll, I'll stop there and let somebody else talk.
4: Black paws, mm-hmm. Blue, either of you have anything else to add to your, what you've said about your history with roleplay so far before we move on?
6: Just emphasizing what I said before. Looking looking back on it, I mean, I know it first found about it early days of the internet, and you know, it might seem frivolous to some people, but I I think I really did get the sense early on interacting, you know, with folks on like uh, you know IRC and stuff that this was a big deal, that this had a weight to it, other than just other de- than just you know, let's pretend in practically, you know, any other circumstance and. Nobody ever told me this, but I think knowing, you know, some of some of the stories and and stuff, and you know, seeing some of the conversations that that it did, you know, I did get it on some level, you know, to the point where changing that about my own emoting uh, on IRC was a really, really big deal.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, I knew what D and D was. It wasn't something I was I was really into, so I I didn't have the background of. Directly participating in the in the sort of just for fun mode of it. I mean, maybe if I'd known or been part of the furry community, bef- you know, before that, you know, it might have been different. But in my mind, I you know, something serious, something with weight to it. So I, I guess you know, sort of approaching it, uh, you know, or starting out with it from that angle. I'm not sure how, but I'm sure it has you know affected my general perspective and attitude towards it.
0: Makes sense. It does make sense, and I agree with uh, several points that you made there. Yeah, And to me, you know, I got to toy around with it. I mean, obviously, I grew up during the time when the satanic panic and everything happened, and there definitely was concerns around that within the household, and that's ill, and don't do that, and, you know, we still did some on the side anyways. It was uh, something we, we got to deal with, but it was really... Getting into college and coming of age, truly coming of age, you know, going through that 17, 18, 19, 20 range, that it, was, it became more solidified for me, where I was like, this is a way I can express myself and show me, my true nature. Looking back at some of those things, I, I cringe, as we all do. But I think it was, it was an important aspect of it, and I, I feel it is very healthy, for us to be able to as especially express these aspects of it, because oftentimes our professional life doesn't allow us to bring our whole selves to work. Sometimes even in our personal life, we have struggles with that and showing our true nature for fear of rejection in, in a lot of cases, too. Those are things that we, I still struggle with to a certain degree myself, definitely in my professional life. But it's it's a nice release and relief to be able to do that and uh, enjoy that. Yeah.
4: So. you wake. Yes. You want to pipe up and tell us a bit more about your history of role-playing and how it ties in to entropy? Yes.
7: Oh, yes. Broadly speaking, role-playing has sort of been a part of my life since I was like three or four. I was always role-playing as animals in... Uh, recess time and in fact one of my highlights of my day during that time was oh what kind of uh, creature am I going to put my shoes in this time and really enjoyed that but as it relates to um, sort of the more online arena or the theater of the mind arena role-playing came around as early as like eight you got uh, that that their internet's running You got introduced to RP chat rooms. Animal role-playing in that arena didn't really start coming around until 13. And it was then that I was more starting to do some exploring of myself. Now, at that time, I didn't really think I was an animal, but I just know I had a really strong connection to tigers at that time. Even though I didn't know I was an animal, it felt really good to role play as a tiger in a lot of situations you know I tried other animals too just cuz why not it's fun but there was there was always a certain something where being able to role play as that animal in this theater of the mind where anything anything goes brought a sense of peace i guess cuz it's something i'd never be able to do in real life and at that time you know I, I didn't know what else was going on, but more in more modern times where I'm just role playing around as like a, a tiger in, um discord and stuff and various forums it's it's a way to stretch my limbs as am manner of speaking because the human body can only do so much and being able to forget you're in a human body even just for a couple seconds is a very nice um icy hot on a sore wound replating to like rpgs and stuff uh like i was saying with bear when i got into D &D and stuff earlier it was more of okay are you gonna let me be like a tiger or something no i'm not interested then it it was exploratory stuff even before there was this whole i even knew like thiernes were a thing it was it allowed me to reach out into another body that felt more comfortable and to this day, I still generally turn down RPGs that say, no tigers, sorry, even if they're like, oh yeah, werewolves, I'm like, no, that's just not me. It's it's sort of similar to that whole, like, um, what Blue said, if you don't have a connection to the character, then it's, what's the point?
4: Oh, that's interesting. That's actually kind of a common tie that we've all had in our discussion so far.
7: Yeah, I mean, there was a couple characters I played just for funsies. Like, uh, one was a bunch of mechs. I love mechs. And uh, he was obsessed with explosives. That was pretty fun to play. But uh, I didn't really get to play with the character. It was just a a set piece to play with explosives and mechs. Same with, like, 40k. I don't really get into my character. It's just um, being immersed in the 40k that I enjoy. It's... It's the characters that allow me to be like a tiger, where I, I really start to play with the character and their development that I really get attached to.
4: Roger that. All right, well, last but not least, Jeff.
7: I'll try not to babble
3: too much about my own experience, because I'm sure I've already said it over like a lot of the other podcast episodes, too, but uh, same kind of case as TA. Like as a, at the age of a few years old, I was already emulating animal behavior and it just seemed like a, a natural kind of expression for me and i do think that there were some situations where i you know it wasn't always feline or something like that but i think back then i, I just had a, a very high intrigue in animals in general so trying to emulate them and understanding how they saw the world there were sometimes i was like hey i wonder how a bug actually sees the world so i would put my head on the ground and look around and i'm like wow it must be big so, like, I'm not sure if that counts as role playing in a sense. And I guess that's one of the topics we'll probably get into also is like, what exactly is role playing? But even from that very young age, emulating things, I guess technically that could fit into that same category. Same sort of situation where, like, I, I looked forward to recess because typically we were running around being animals or something like that. I was huge into role playing, even things like, uh, sonic i love i love to run around a lot so i like being sonic sometimes but one of the things that was interesting is that as we got older and moved through the grades less people were interested in doing that kind of stuff but to me it was like hey why are you guys not interested in these kinds of activities anymore because it seems like it's just a part of me it doesn't seem like it's something that i'm pretending or something like that it's just a, it's something that feels fulfilling to me Fast forward, I kept away from things like D&D for a long time because being told that they, you know, D&D was the devil and stuff like that too, you know, whatever. But when I was later teens, I started getting that curiosity in there and I'm like, hey, okay, this is kind of cool. You can, again, you could be different kinds of animals and, and, and things like that too. And I thought it was kind of cool and started pursuing it at that point. Around that same time was probably when I found the furry fandom. And again, I didn't know exactly what I was at that point. I didn't have internet access until I was like 17 or 18, at least not consistently. I think Wolfwing said earlier on, furry was kind of a gateway drug for me because it's the closest thing that I saw to Therian that I could identify with. So I kind of had that little bit of a segue too and started doing. I don't know if furry muck is technically what I'd like invested in at that time, but. Uh, you know Yahoo chat rooms and things like that too. Just going around and expressing myself as a creature, I had that going on too. For me, most of the the role playing was more about self expression, and especially like when it was a big thing when I found those online text chat rooms because, as someone with like tremendous social anxiety and someone who didn't like talking and things like that either, being able to verbally role play uh, like put asterisk say an action on an asterisk it felt like a very comfortable way for me to communicate actions that i would normally do or express things that uh, express ideas that i wanted to get across that i i didn't feel comfortable vocalizing in a sense and a lot of the ways that i would portray myself were ways that were kind of How an animal would non-verbally communicate itself, kind of head that route. To, I definitely agree that as far as like role-playing games and things like that, if there is a a tiger of some sort in there, that's probably the character I'm going to be. If there's not, there's a chance that I just might not be interested. Depends on the the game, the plot, things like that too, of course. So it's not like a hundred percent hit or miss thing. But like when I played EverQuest. I didn't mind being like other classes or other species too, but I I never wanted to be like the normie human in something if I could handle it or if I could make that decision. It just didn't feel right to me. Like Part of it, it wasn't as exciting to be a character that was just human, but it also felt like I wasn't really expressing myself in a way. I guess really in a sense, portraying myself as an animal in some way, shape, or form gave me that sense of euphoria. and did combat some degree of that dysphoria and I didn't even have the words for you know, I didn't know dysphoria was even a thing back then. But likely the the attraction to role playing in the various forms is because it felt natural to me.
4: Hey, well it's really interesting how so far the same common thread has been running through pretty much everybody's story in that for a Therian, Role playing is really something quite different from the conventional idea of what it's all about. And this is exactly why we wanted to put this episode together to make it very clear that uh, active, open discussions need to be had about this. Because a lot of the times, when we Therians enter a community space that includes other non Therians, Therians are trying to express themselves as getting misinterpreted as as role-playing that's going on inappropriately. I find it really interesting that that everybody has so naturally tied in the same common theme that for us, it's not really pretending at all. It's self-expression. Now, looking at all the different experiences that Therians have with role-play and so far, from that perspective, I think just having that awareness would solve a lot of communication problems.
3: I agree there too, because in the, the Therians that I've seen, uh, even in the Therian community, the people who seem off put by role playing, like if you go into a chat and you see people using emotes and things like that too some people get frustrated because they think it's some kind of like nonsensical goofiness and and i think they don't realize that it's literally just the person trying to be expressive in that same way that you were just mentioning
4: we've got some poll results that actually kind of speak directly to this one of the communities discord communities that we posted this poll on a while back is therian territory but it's interesting to note that the name therian territory is kind of a little bit of a a misnomer because it's not actually a therian only space. It's an alter human space. And there's a lot of furries there. There's a lot of other kin there. There's, you know, it's it's more a broad umbrella community than just a strictly therian-only community. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to target that place to get responses. And what I find interesting is that in the Roll responses, nearly half of them they don't role play at all, period, end of list. And yet, of the remaining half, fully half of them clearly indicate that they do it as self expression. And yet, when you look at the results from Ethereum only space, it's almost entirely about self expression. So, I think that really speaks to the importance of people being aware of this distinction being made clear as to why this action is going on. Anybody else want to let's do a kind of a round table thing here. Anybody throw in anything that they want to about the topic so far?
7: Uh yeah, actually what uh Zef said about like him growing up and then his friends being not interested anymore, I I faced much of the same thing. It was kind of perplexing like hey, you were having fun with me before, why don't you want to continue doing this and it just kind of without anyone saying anything i just kind of picked up like oh okay people see that as childish now okay i'll just stuff this away
3: what was interesting was i would still do it on my own when no one else was around like <laughs> because again it was for me it was a part of my self expression so it felt weird for me because it really was a sort of repression at that point and going into a sort of a, a different topic and not want to tangent too much. But it's it's like around that same time when people became less interested in doing those sorts of role playing things, there was some kind of social phenomenon that they were clued in on that I completely missed myself and didn't know how to naturally get in sync with. So that was just really frustrating as a kid to try to figure out
0: I would agree with that too and I think that to me I was just oblivious to it honestly for several years as it continued to evolve around me so that it made it awkward in some ways but then eventually people just kind of like okay that's just how he is I guess
1: it's funny I do a lot of role playing but the actual role playing as myself in channel whatnot. It's very contingent on when my animals are awake. The more I feel my animal, especially leopard, I make purring, I start stretching out, posing in the chats, what I'm feeling at the moment.
3: I've seen some people who will do the same kind of thing, like they'll be in a conversation and then they'll do asterisk, purr, asterisk. For them, that's the extent of the, the role playing that they do in a sense. Some of those individuals, I've asked them, like, "Well, how do you feel about people who role play?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't like it. I don't like seeing it, and I don't like doing it myself." But technically, to me, it's still kind of role playing that they're doing that. Like they're doing the emote again. I I think for many therians, it's just a natural way of communicating that, hey, you know, I'm I am kind of in this shifty headspace or whatnot right now, or I would like to communicate to you in an animalistic way. It just seems natural to me, but. I don't think people have clear definitions as far as like what actually constitutes as role play. When is it role play? When is it not? You know, if someone just does like a little emote, they stretch. Is is that role playing or does it have to be like a full on sentence? The, the definition seems to vary by people.
4: You just perfectly exemplified a situation where misunderstandings occur on a regular basis, I'm sure. And for every one situation where a misunderstanding occurs and it's brought to parties' attention and those are involved, there will be 9 out of 10 situations where nothing is said about it. Just assumptions are being made. And that can be potentially damaging. Partly off-topic, but anybody
1: else hate that over the last couple years, asterisks now mean italics,
6: and you can no longer emote with asterisks as easily? Yeah. Yeah. Like I I just mentioned on the same subject, I remember using carrots at some point.
7: Oh, I forgot about Uh, that. Ah, yes, I remember those.
6: Yeah, I think that's how I started, and then I went to the asterisk because everybody else was doing it, and it was just easier to find on a keyboard than carrots. And, you know, even that's hit or miss these days because of HTML. I definitely understand where you're coming from. I've had moments like that recently.
5: And the way Discord feels like IRC, so I find myself mm. connecting to the muscle memory of IRC, and I'll be like, slash mm. me did this, or slash message, and then it's like, no, wait, I have to use the mouse.
4: <laughs>
3: Autopilot.
5: <laughs> I remember a friend of mine ran a
0: BBS so long going they use parentheses for you know emotes i was
3: extra special cringy and i used like brackets for mine like the little square brackets on both sides just because no one else used them
0: mm, right right yeah well, aren't you just special <laughs> <laughs> well, talking that, you know, uh, well talking about
1: that you know um like i i don't i don't know if any of you guys have ever seen me do it but if i ever do colon or say and message. That's because I, I was on a muck chatting and oh then God. those are the commands to tell you to say stuff. <laughs> I just, I forgot I'll, about just that. I'll just randomly say, say, hello, what's up? And I'll say, and word, the word say is at the front of the sentence. <laughs> because it's, I'm in that mindset. <laughs> oh,
0: I forgot about that, wow. And so long sipping on a muck.
1: These days, I'm mostly just on there to chat with a few friends that are still around.
3: We started with like a bullet point, and so I want to make sure that everyone has feels like they have communicated if they wanted to, again to the full extent. What is your personal experience with role play? Why do you do it? How does it all tie in? Like, if do you have any other things you can add in that maybe we haven't discussed already before we move on?
4: I was surprised by how. Fluidly and how succinctly everybody jumped in and answered all three questions at the same fucking time. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, that's... it worked
0: well. I'm just gonna point out that a wolf dog is running this, not a cat. I think there's more merit to that than I. Ooh,
3: else. there had to be one. Okay. Oh, what's that? I wasn't listening. <laughs> sorry, I'm making the I'm making this the storm go further further north. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what was that? Oh, since you
0: brought I'm in it up, enough. I'm good.
4: We had we 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 will for an official disclaimer officially state that we did try to warn Zeph about storm calling during storm season and <sighs> it didn't work. It
0: didn't work.
3: I'm not I'm not getting into it, but blue, you you did not help things last <laughs> weekend. That's all I, I'm going to say.
0: I merely honored a spirit. That's all I did. Yeah. And what the going spirit dis- not... You were going to dishonor him and piss them off.
3: I was not. Bull. I, I was already messing with people, so that should not have dishonored or, or irritated that particular spirit. But anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I merely tried to ensure that we honored that particular spirit appropriately.
3: Thanks for doing that right before, you know, a tropical storm hits. Not m-
0: <laughs> I didn't start it. But I was sure he was going to finish it, so we didn't make it worse.
3: (laughs) I'm calling shenanigans. At any rate, yeah, does anyone else have anything to say on this subject?
0: I didn't bring up that spirit. I miss
3: doing, like, tabletop things. I didn't really talk about my experience with tabletopping much this episode, but, like, being able to act out, like, physically around other people, too, and not have them judge you for it because it's part of a game or something like that, too. It's really euphoric in a whole bunch of levels. For some reason, me, quote-unquote, acting out a character in a campaign helps me override my social anxiety, and I've not figured that out. You kind of get to express yourself in ways that maybe aren't normally, quote-unquote, socially acceptable, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so it's okay to be a little weird and do cat things. And
1: I definitely agree with, one of the last D and d campaigns I did, I played a um Kitsune Druid
2: Woo-hoo. and
1: <laughs> and my entire He's campaign I was either a fox or a or a dire tiger the <laughs> entire time. I almost it was like nice. I was only human if I had to do something that required digits. Like I had ability to use body parts to do semantic or the hand gestures. Half my fees were just so I could play a tiger to cast spells.
5: <laughs> when Skyrim came out and the modding community bursted out with mods for the werewolf quest line, and then they added the ability to use werebearer, I—I mean, I pretty much just modded the heck out of the game so I could just stay in that form the whole time. It really—that's—that's what happens. It is, you
0: know. I'm going to speak is as, uh, as a GM dm whatever you want to call us dm has a different connotation to it so i'll say gm it's fun to be able to play all the npcs and be able to do that though i far personally prefer doing the character and doing the rp on that because you can develop that character so deep and have so many interesting little quirks and and fun with it and get the entire party to start like groaning when certain things start like oh here we go this is going to happen now it's like yes it is (laughs) I don't know if the fight counts as role playing but one thing I'll do is
1: any game I play if there's an animal option doesn't have to be cat wolf or, or bird if there's an animal option I will almost always choose it doesn't matter if it's the worst character in the game as long as it's playable I will. same here for Final Fantasy 11 and 14, I played the the Nico, even though they are only female at least at the start. But it's like, cat, I have to play it.
3: Yeah, same here. I think someone brought this up earlier, but it's like I play a human twenty four seven. Why would I want to <laughs> like when I'm playing a game or something like that? I want to. I don't want to play a human anymore. Yep.
0: <laughs> I love the idea that some some other GMS have thrown around, and it. People are on certain groups in Facebook. They'd probably be familiar with it. Party comes in oblivious. They, they don't know anything about their character. They're assigned a character, but they don't know anything about it. So as the, st- as the play evolves, you learn, like, you know, what hits, therefore your strength is going to be this. Or you're, you saved on this dexterity saving throw, or you got a plus three or something like that, then obviously your dex is going to be in this range. Things like that. But you also don't know your species, so the, the opening line is that, like, you walk into a bar because everyone has to walk into a bar in D&D to start this, and Barkeeper says, oh, Dragonborn are a little bit unusual in this part. Wait a minute. I'm a Dragonborn? <laughs> you could have so much fun with that. <laughs> How to torture people. Or make them empathize with Ugh. Tharians. One of the two. You're a tabaxi.
3: How do you all feel when, like, people who are not Tharians are role-playing as animals? And it's more of just a, a fun thing or not something that they necessarily connect to personally.
0: To me, I'm good with that because it generates an empathy and they can at least frame themselves through that RP to some of what we're dealing with. Maybe it's not comprehensive, but at least it's a claw in the crack to be able to start to open that door. And I think it's a positive thing. Myself, a over time,
3: claw in the crack.
0: Yep, you're going to the dirty spots, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> you pull your brain of, out the gutter. What kind of
3: what kind of role play is this? Ooh. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I 100 percent agree with Blue. I, uh, you know, um, that if it's a if it's a mainstreamer who is uh playing an animal character in role-playing i think it's great because it uh it gives them that opportunity to explore that headspace now if it's a therian playing that especially if they're playing a bear i'm watching (laughs) (laughs) that's neither here nor there gotta protect the brand
6: like i said before it would feel different to me i think the intent and the thinking behind it so it would strike me as completely different things, you know, just like I said earlier about what I'd probably do if I were if I were in the furry fandom. Like I said, it, it's sort of an instinctual thing. I don't know if I could describe the difference if I tried, but because they're so fundamentally different to me, I think I wouldn't sort of draw the connection. So I don't think I'd feel offended or anything like that. One thing I find myself with, and it's something I'm working
1: on, but Sometimes when I see Therians role play a little too strongly, you know, there's that old school sort of worry about is this person a therian or are they trying too hard to be a therian? You know, like is it I don't wanna to I I don't wanna judge somebody because I've been judged in the past, but it's sort of that in the back of my head that sort of in my mind.
3: And it's interesting because sometimes it's because again, uh some well it seems like a pretty big chunk of the theory community can be very socially awkward. Sometimes people don't know how to interact or to what degree they should be interacting with. So I think some people do go a little over the top simply because they don't know like what to what degree they should be doing things. I, I kind of take that in a case-by-case case sort of way. I try not to judge too much. Um, you can kind of tell after a while how genuine someone is. But I think sometimes in those cases, people just don't realize that they don't need to as over the top while they're doing it, they may just be sussing out their own self expression too. Uh, I mentioned that, like, I didn't like to talk a lot and things like that when I was a teenager, so I probably actually went over the top with some of my role play stuff too. When I first started doing it, it's a learning curve,
4: it's a learning curve. Yeah, there's definitely an experience factor to it. After a while, you kind of get a feel for what is genuine self expression and what is just pretension. And to answer your original question, Zeph, um, how do I react around role-playing? Honestly, I don't like it at all. It turns me right off. If so, I, I need to have that door already open and understand that the people around me are also Therian and they're doing it for the same reason. Otherwise, I'm out. I want nothing to do with it. I never have liked role-play. It almost borderlines on offensive to me. So... Yeah, for me, it's 100% all about self-expression. I've never done it for fun, really.
0: I can understand what you are with that, Blaze. I respectfully disagree. I fully understand where you're coming from with that. You know, it's not genuine It's and things like that, and there's a a barrier there, because it bothers me if someone emulates that for the... The, the purposes of making light of it or just having fun at your expense and things like that, so I can certainly see that angle, but at the same time I, I personally look more to the empathy aspect of it, but the other piece, with experience fully, you, you took the words right out of my mouth with that not to paint with a broad brush because there's always exceptions, but on the younger crowd you see a little bit more of the over-the-top need to over-emote over-express, it's just you would see it in a young actor, you would see it in a young, th- anyone, you know, trying to find themselves from that perspective. Whereas you get to the age of a few of us, myself included, we just don't give a shit anymore. This is who we are. <laughs> Suck it up and deal.
4: <laughs> There's both a generation factor and just a basic age factor behind that shift in perspective over time because. When you're a teenager, it's all about ego. It's all about self-expression. That's all that matters. And then as age starts eating away your outer layers, <laughs> you harden up and you kind of drop things that don't work. And over time, like you said, you end up just kind of not really caring as much.
0: The uh, Us Gen Xers, you know, we just, we, we gave up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we fought the battle we lost.
1: <laughs> I also bit there to do with, um, how new of a thurian you are. You know, it's like, you know, a new yeah. atheist, a new religious person, you know, the one you can tell somebody this just became X because they're way they're more into it than anybody else in the group.
4: Yes. Yeah, there's there's that initial enthusiasm, the burning hot fire. You gotta wait for it to kind of die down to embers before you get anywhere near it.
5: Yeah, they'll they'll get broken of that soon enough.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: Because bears are there to break them. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they really want to be broken, he'll take
5: care of that too. I'm going to refrain from commenting.
4: <laughs> Are we about ready to start the wrap-up process?
3: Uh, Wolfwing, is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself before we do any of that? Is there like a, a certain way someone should reach out to you if they want to get in contact with you? Uh, I think you said you're in the uh, Therianthropy Discord server there are other places people can look for you that kind of stuff
1: pretty much mostly just discord right now i'm on where are we obviously uh internet aviary for uh bird therians therianthropy discord recently found out about kinship species dysphoria server it's all about you know a place for those that have dysphoria yes this i'm pretty simple you know leopard eagle Nothing
3: too 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 exciting. Wolfwing, thank you for joining. And uh, again, this is a topic that's kind of open ended. I think to some degree, like we're expecting it to branch out into additional conversations. If you're listening in and you have any ideas for you know further topics we can take on this, or maybe further polls we can evaluate for this sort of thing, let us know, and we'll take it from there. All right, so I'm going to move on to community news now. First and foremost, we have a new Illinois HAL that is in the process of being set up. There is a link currently on Therian Guide. I'm going to put that, as usual, in our episode description. So if you are living in the state of Illinois or are able to travel there, the date is sometime in next spring. It's not set in stone yet. So still in the planning phases for the HAL. But if you are interested, check out that link. The host's name is Wolf WolfThing. And uh, I'll try to see if we can get extra contact information to, to reach out. But again, uh, it's just another upstart HAL. So if you're interested, definitely re- reach out to them.
0: Are they going to look for the Beast of Bray Road? Or is that Wisconsin?
3: I don't know. We have a few things that... I don't think any of these events are going to be until November, but uh, a few upcoming events to kind of keep your eyes out for, or ears out for, or even your ows out for. November is Nano Remo Month, and uh, please, you're going to have to help me here if I forget it. National Novelist Writers Month is what I think it stands for.
4: Bing, 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 bing. Correct.
3: Okay. okay my my cat brain actually succeeded in something.
4: Yeah, for all you for all you creative fairians out there who enjoy writing. I always recommend giving the NaNoWriMo challenge a shot. The idea is to write 50,000 words only in the month of November. It doesn't have to necessarily be a novel. It can be 30,000 words of any kind of writing project you like, as long as it's original content. It doesn't have to be pretty. And another thing to point out is that you don't have to necessarily post it public. You can. NaNoWriMo has their own forum. But for the most part, you can't just, like, log into somebody's name and look at all the stuff that they've written and posted it up there. It's not like that. I recommend absolutely anybody who is interested to go and check out the NaNoWriMo home site, sign up. And if you're interested in, like, writing in a team or being able to uh, view each other's content, there's all, there are options available within the forum for being able to do that. So, yeah, uh, don't forget that November 1st, to November 30th is National Novel Writers Month. I'll be going for year four. I've won three years in a row now, and I'm going to be doing her again, even though I am will still be in college classes at that time. I'll fit it in somewhere.
3: <laughs> you know, I think if I try it this year, it'll be like the sixth time that I've tried it. And uh, I think I've gotten like a thousand words at most. <laughs> it's just cat brain you know what? my
4: secret is to just not worry about it you just break it down into a little chunk each day you need to average 1667 words and in my chicken scratch pencil writing that's two and a half pages (laughs) that's not much
3: yeah i think i just not worry about it enough too much
1: (laughs) (laughs) every time that comes up and i decide to do it i've been rewriting the same story like six times.
3: I feel that too. Yeah.
1: Which is a fictional autobiography about myself.
3: <laughs> One thing I I did want to ask too, Blaze, and I'm not sure if you know this off the top of your head, but um, I think Nanowrimo also used to have like an honor system where do you have to actually submit something to them to have a word count or no no can you no no
4: um it's based on an honor system you could technically cheat all the fuck you want and they'll never they'll never catch you. <laughs> but um no, all it is is it's like a daily counter.
3: Yeah, and but the important thing there is too like if you want to do the challenge and you're you're very private or you're concerned about your work, I, I don't think you even have to actually publish it on the site at all. No, like
4: Absolutely not. There's absolutely no obligation to show anybody what you've actually written. You don't have to submit it to get credit for it or anything like that. It's just a fun challenge. At the end of it, if you get fifty thousand words or more in thirty days, they give you a nice purple laurel to go around your name, and your title bar will show up purple to anyone who happens to look at your front page. You can upload an image for the cover of your book and all that, but you're not obligated to actually post or publish any of your written material.
3: So it's always good to kind of nudge community stuff there too. So hopefully, uh, you know, I'll try to poke around and, and see who else may be interested too, and like see if we can get a TG thread for people who want to join a group or something like that too so I'll kind of keep that in my mind going forward since it's coming up on the month of November we also have the infamous war between Wolfenute and, and Therianthropy Day so, Therianthropy,
2: Therianthropy Day,
3: day. Uh, no, I am, I'm team Wolfenute all the way so,
1: <laughs> what is Wolfenute? I keep hearing it mentioned
0: <laughs> it's a made-up holiday by a kid some years ago it's not made up to to celebrate the the wonderful species and you know that's that's about the extent of it
4: the origin story isn't even as, as concise as that it's uh
0: it's called distillation it's called co- distillation
5: misguided youth corrupted <laughs> uh-huh. by canines Yep, those darn. canines. How am
3: I, How am I the only person that's supporting Wolfenude? That feels just really Man, weird. I'm supporting <laughs> it just plenty,
7: thank you very much. Well, you do call yourself Orange Wolf.
3: Mao. <laughs> no, yes, I do. But um, yeah. The...
5: Honestly, I I just uh, I'm just against it on principle.
3: <laughs> I think that's so many Therians are against it on principle because the one day it literally, fe- uh, or the one year. I don't even remember if it was the first year that it happened. Like, uh, Wolf-A-Newt did fall on therianthropy Day, and the two got... Yeah, yeah, right, that's exactly why. The two got, why. like, confused somehow, and, like, I, I, I thought it was actually really funny, and, um, so I want to say, like, the... You made a
5: wolf and Newt cake.
3: I did. So, did. like, generalized backstory is that I, I, I think, um... The kid was like seven or eight years old and made a holiday about how like it's the so people can celebrate the wolf spirit and uh canines are supposed to get extra meat that day and, and there's supposed to be a wolf cake or something like that. So you know, I I kind of I, I went I went along with it Back in a in vibe
4: when getting a video to go viral was a really really big deal. That's basically all it is. It's a video that went viral and then turned into a cyber video.
5: Well, also a cash grab by the kid's parents. Basically, yes. I mean, It was super exploitive.
0: How is it, any of this bad?
3: Now, see, that I don't agree. I don't agree with that aspect of the Wolf and Newt holiday. But, I mean, if any of y'all want to like make a cake, um, I know one year at TG, I actually did uh, I don't know if any of you would know the the show on Netflix called Nailed It. But it's a, a a baking show for people that don't know how to bake. Basically, it's. So I did like a challenge for other people to kind of like try their best to emulate like this this cake with a the picture of a wolf howling at the moon and like I, I don't know it might be interesting to try that again this year just to see it's I'm sure it's just horrible stuff but as long as it's edible it doesn't matter right. And then uh, Therianthropy Day is uh, officially... Barry, you said it's the, the... In November. The first full moon in November? I don't know if there's only one full moon this year. Okay. So, no idea what date that is, unfortunately. <laughs> Does anybody know off the top of their head? It'll
5: be later in the months. Uh, looks like November 8th this year. The beaver moon.
3: So, it's, it's later in the early months. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> so,
7: in the last few years,
3: I know... A few different content creators have have posted like cool videos for Therianthropy Day. Um, I don't know right now, off the top of my head, what anyone's doing for this year too, but kind of keep your eye out for different community events that may be correlated to Therianthropy Day. Uh, there's no. Uh, is there really a focus for therianthropy day no Uh, i don't think it's you don't necessarily have to feel obligated to spread awareness about it but it is an opportunity for that to be a thing too it's
5: just a day to uh, to remember to focus to you know contemplate your therianthropy
4: a day to honor what therianthropy is and what it means to you basically
3: I think, like, yeah, it's it, it, even if it's just an opportunity for you to go out in, in nature and just kind of vibe with your animal self, or, hey, maybe even try to figure out a, a trip to your local zoo just to, to meet your type in person or something like that, too. These aren't things you have to do, of course, but just kind of food for thought.
5: Unrelated, there's also Whamageddon and Boobolivian in, wow. uh, in December.
3: Okay, I, I'm familiar with Whamageddon, but I don't know... Boobolivian?
5: Boobolivian. You gotta listen to Wham! So the, there was a group of people who decided that it wasn't fair to force yourself to try to avoid Wham. Hmm. So they decided they were going to try to avoid any song by Michael Buble during that month. And he has like 40 Christmas songs that play on constant rotation. <laughs> almost impossible it is far more difficult than whamageddon but his songs are worth avoiding so <laughs> it's a win for everyone
0: well i'm gonna point out that your pup loves to torture you and try to ruin your whamageddon and within the first yeah. day so
5: he's blown me up in whamageddon uh repeatedly i'm hoping to do that again this year it's always fun but that's two months out
3: well um last christmas i, I gave you my heart
5: I know, but the very <laughs> next day, you gave it away.
0: Actually, I thought you ate it.
5: Oh. Dum, 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 oh. Dum, dum. Yeah,
0: that's true. So you did give it away eventually. It just took a while. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Delightful.
3: The last thing I have for community news is also... I'll, I'm going to have to have a talk about that one because I haven't actually looked at it yet. But the video about furries, which includes uh, fur science.
5: Yeah, PBS has a thing called Subcultured, which is a program where they examine different subcultures, shockingly enough. And they recently did, it's the 11th episode of the series called Why Are Furries Misunderstood? And some of our friends from Fur Science were on there, primarily Dr. Roberts. Uh, They interview a number of furries and such. Doesn't really get into Otherkin and Therians. Other than the whole litter box debacle of misinformation that was floating around of late, I mean it's a good eleven minute sort of introduction to furries and what is accurate and what isn't. Worth a watch
3: for those of you who are listening in and not too familiar. Um, give for science some love. Like check them out. They're on a bunch of different social media sites, and they they actually do therian and other kind research. Yep. Yep. So. One of their pages, they actually do have like open surveys for various things, too. So uh, if you want to help them do the science, give that a check. It's always good to kind of try to participate in stuff like that, help them get more accurate statistics for who's out there. um, As far as like if you're a furry, and things like that, too, and, and some of your personal experiences. So they're an awesome group. Give them some love. The more
4: awareness we can raise about actual research endeavors and scientific investigations, the better.
5: That's a good point, because one of the criticisms that gets raised is, well, there's no legitimate science about you. Yeah, bah. I I don't know, there's several hundred research papers.
4: This is exactly what we need to continue working on, is trying to find people who actually have this information and can speak about it intelligently without killing people with academic university terms that no one in the common public understands. Right. There has to be a bridge between that academic investigation and how it's presented. So we do need to do more of that. Therians through time segment kind of has that going for it as one of the fundamental drives behind why we're doing that discussion is to try and get more interest in actual academic and historical research about the Therian experience. So look for more of that on the horizon in the near future from
3: us. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you to Wolf Wing for coming on this episode. And uh, thank you for everyone else who's hopped on, too. Thank you all for listening to the the episode of Where Are We Podcast. If you have any questions, if you'd like to submit feedback, if you'd like to possibly participate in a future episode, uh, any of those things, feel free to email us at wherearewepodcast at gmail.com to any kind of feedback criticism, even things like creativity submissions like uh last episode we had a an intro music submission from someone. If you wanna try doing that yourself, get that a chance. And uh hopefully we will be recording again in the next few meow, weeks, so meow, we will catch you meow, all meow, then.
7: Meow, okay, thanks, bye meow <laughs> meow, 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 <laughs> meow, meow. <laughs>